What would you do with your life if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed, what would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of global Swedish design and inspiration brand Dream Life and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people like you to chase your own dream life, whatever that means for you. Many years ago, I wrote down a dream on paper that would one day bring Swedish design to the world and create beautiful, inspiring and meaningful products that would bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to leverage everything I've learned to help you dream big and to create a global movement to inspire 101 million people to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode will dive deep into the power of dreaming and share real insights and practical ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. And welcome back to another episode. This week, my friend Magnus popped in for a coffee. As soon as I saw him and his big smile, I felt his incredible energy. I was so inspired. Magnus is a well-known Swedish entrepreneur, coach, and a fantastic speaker. And probably the most energetic person I know. I don't know anyone who's actually more positive than him as well. It's impossible not to feel great catching up with him. And on top of that, he is super inspiring and really, really funny. Magnus started his first company when he was only 12 years old and has started and sold many businesses since then. He has also worked closely with Tony Robbins and lives and breeds all things personal development. So I wanted to share his energy in today's podcast with you guys, where we talk about so much around the topic of owning your own life. He is simply amazing. So let's get right into it. Hi, Magnus, and welcome to my podcast. I am so excited to have you on. Hi, Kiki. Thanks. I'm also very excited to be in your pod today. You know, this morning I went for a run and um, running is not my favorite thing to do. And we can talk about that later because my understanding is that it wasn't your favorite thing to do either, but I think it is now. But anyway, I laughed out loud <laughs> on my on my run this morning because I was listening to your previous pods with different people and I just laughed because you are so funny and you have so much energy so I'm really excited but before we get going I would love to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests and that is um, did you have a dream as a child something you wanted to do or become or have yes of course doesn't everyone <laughs> no not everyone, but I think you do. <laughs> I've had lots of dreams in my life, and I still dreaming. That's good. So, what did you have? Tell oh, us. You want to hear about it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, I've had the dream to become a fireman. That ha- that was a dream for me. One of 
the most important dreams that I had in my life, it became very important because it became important for my future, was a dream to become a millionaire. And that came out of a, a, a serial that was on the Swedish television 40 years ago. Par in Hart, that was a serial I was watching. And this was this guy, Jonathan Hart. He was a guy helping people. And he had lots of stuff, like he had a butler answering the phone. He had a helicopter he was flying. He was drinking champagne in the middle of the broad daylight. He had a nice car. He had lots of nice stuff. He had a beautiful wife. And I was thinking, I want all of that. And then they were telling in the end of the movie, they were telling that he was a self-made millionaire. So I was thinking, I'm going to be a self-made millionaire. But I didn't know what it was. But that came like a mantra for me, like, I'm going to be a self-made millionaire. I want to fly a helicopter. I want to drink champagne. I want to have a beautiful wife. I want to help people. Things like that. Have a butler. Yeah. So that was a, a dream for me during uh, like a couple of years. I love that. And I think you made all those dreams come true. You definitely have a beautiful wife and you are definitely drinking lots of great champagne. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I um, love uh, La Belle Epoque. Champagne is my favorite. Actually, much better than, than Dom Perignon, actually. Mm, nice. I we'll have to have that together one day. Perfect. Thank you. How did you go from thinking that? Because I obviously know you personally, so I know that story where you know your dad had to get involved because you were talking about it in school. <laughs> and we come from the same town, and we know that you know sometimes we have to be when we are a bit different. Um, people don't like it, and I think that's you know probably probably globally, <laughs> not just Sweden, but especially in a small town. How do someone go from wanting something that might have seemed I'm assuming impossible for you because you didn't really know what that was going to look like and you didn't know how to do it and you probably didn't have that around you either the same you didn't have a lot of friends that have butlers at home or flew helicopter copters or or drank champagne in the middle of the day how did you go from that to where you are today at the beginning it was like that like you're now telling me I didn't know what it was because I didn't know what it was so I was starting to chase a dream that I didn't know what it was. And then I realized when I've been working like, okay, how can I become a millionaire? So I was like starting to collect money. I didn't know better. So I was doing everything uh, that I could to get money. The normal things you do, like you collect cans, you're selling newspapers, you're doing all that stuff. And when I was like 11 and a half years old, I had 131 crowns, Swedish crowns, and 25 uh, cents. It's, it's about like uh, $20. Uh, and I was counting all my money, and I realized for the first time in my life, like 11 and a half years old, that you need to have 1 million out of those to become a millionaire. And something came through me, like I was starting to cry. I was so sad. You need to have one million like this to become a millionaire. I hadn't realized that before. And my mother come to me and she says, Magnus, why are you crying? You need to have one million of those crowns to be a millionaire. And then she told me something. that, And that was mentally a shift for me because she said, you know, the difference between winners and losers are only one thing. 
And I said, tell me, what is it? Because I need to know it now. And she said, winners never quit. So I haven't quit once since then. I can't remember once that I quit. So I was like, okay. And my, my two brothers hate me for never quitting. I have two brothers. One is five years older than me and one is two years older than me. They said, don't start a fight with that guy because he will never stop hitting back. So I made a decision and the decision will form your future. So I was starting to collect this money to become a millionaire. I didn't know in the beginning why I should become a millionaire. And I became a millionaire when I was 21 years old. That's now 31 years ago. And I have never been as sad as that moment in my life. Because the same thing that came to me, that winner never quits, came to me, why should I become a millionaire? And then I went back to my role model. I was looking at what he had. He had a helicopter. He had a butler. He was drinking champagne. And as you say, he had a beautiful wife. But what was he doing? He was helping other people. And that's what came to me. And I realized like 31 years ago that the spiritual need of giving is in my DNA. So if you reach success without fulfillment, that's the ultimate failure. And I found the ultimate failure when I was 21 years old. So I changed my mind. I have never cared about money since 31 years ago. And it comes to me. It comes to me when I'm starting to give for real out of my needs. Yeah. Yeah. That was a shift. And everything starts with believing. Then you go to your potential. Yeah, my potential to create money. I could create that out of jumping into containers, collecting stamps, selling stamps, taking action. That would give me results. So when I started my first company when I was 12 years old, I was in the first year making 86,400 crowns in profit, net profit, first year, 12 years old. And then I got more faith. I got even more potential. I was taking more action and I got even more results out of it. I love that story when you were selling stamps. I just absolutely love it. It it actually comes from a beginning of what you're talking about in your pod. It comes from a dream that was creating a feeling in my body. I wanted something, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't know why I wanted it. But when the stars comes, stand in the right places, you will get that message. And I got a mes- that message, message 31 years ago and it still goes on. I love it. I love it. So for anyone who's listening and want to, to, I guess, create their dream life and not knowing how to do it because you didn't know, is it all about taking action or, or do you feel like it's, it's more understanding why first and then start taking action? Or, or I know you've written a book, How You Own Your Life. How do we own our lives? Uh, first things first. First, you need to love yourself before you can love other people. And then you need to find out what human needs you have. You need to understand yourself before you can understand other people. Because it's always about people. 
because someone is thinking that to owe my life, I need more money. No, you don't need more money. I've been in India. I've been in China where people are more happy than the wealthiest people on earth in money because they own their life because they know their love to themselves and their human needs. So you need to align with your human needs and then you need to find out what human needs do I have because that is given to you in your DNA and that's nothing you can change. And you can never change another person. You can only change yourself. Yeah. So what are the six human needs? The six human needs, uh, you know, I talk a lot about that. Uh, there are four needs and the need uh, they are the need for. So the need for certainty, the need for uncertainty, the need for love, and the need for to be seen as a person. That's the four basic human, human needs. And then there are two spiritual needs, and it's a need to grow and a need to give. Yeah, and it's quite easy. You need to find out what needs do I have. And when you know when, what needs do you have, what's your vehicle, what is the need you're using for getting the need you really want. And that's the difference. So when you know that, you can take action and you can't lose. Let's just say that someone have a dream to start their own business, for example. So how do they then put those needs combining, I guess, the dream and the needs to kind of understanding to go the right way. Why do they want to start a new business? It's the first question, right? <laughs> yeah, why, why yeah. do they want that? Because running your own business is tough shit. It's really tough. You know, when I stopped my business eight years ago in 160 days, I, I, I went out of the office. I had 1,046 people working for me in my company. It's tough. Yeah. It's you. really tough. So people who are listening might be having the reason. So you think that they should ask themselves why first? They should ask they, themselves in a level of seven. They should ask themselves, why do they want to start this business? And they should answer that question seven times. Yeah, then they will come down to the truth why they want to start a business. Yeah, so for example, then they might say, yeah, I want to start my own business because I want to have freedom. And then you ask yourself, why do I want to have freedom? Is that correct? Yes. And then you answer that and then you go to seven levels. Yeah. What would you answer on that? Why do you want freedom? Well, I want to own my life. And I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm similar to you. What <laughs> made me laugh, actually, because um, uh, <laughs> I, never, I never quit either so much that. Um, no, I know that. <laughs> you know, that when I, uh, I played uh, chess many years ago, like this is 100 years ago, with Marlene Svensson, and uh, we, we had two kings left. And she said, Well, um, you know, we have to give up now and because no one will win. I said, Well, if you give up, I win. And then she said, Well, there's no point. And I said, well, there is a point because if you give up, I win. I'm not going to quit. And we almost—we had an argument. We were very young, and uh, we often laugh at that now. But that's kind of the mentality that I had uh, that I never give up. So for me, I always—and I worked for lots of different people in my youth—but for me, actually being in charge um, of uh, of my own life is really important to me. Hence, now wanting to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams and go and chase them because I meet way too many people who are not doing that. Yeah, but why do you want to be in charge? 
because I want. So now you're taking over, Bang. This is your last one. <laughs> I will answer that, but then I'm going to go. Know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I've been doing interviews with 508 successful people around the world. Some of them has uh, the Nobel Prize in their hands. Some of them has gold medal in, in Olympic Games, things like that. And they have, have all been aligned with their human needs. And they have always been uh, answering questions out of attitude, out of knowledge, and out of uh, knowing how to answer the seven why. Yeah. So, so, uh, and they have one thing in common. Yeah, yeah, they have one thing in common. You know what? Know what that is? No, I don't. I don't know. They have one thing in common, same as in the Stanford University's research about successful people. They have one thing in common. They have eighty-seven and a half percent attitude, twelve and a half percentage knowledge, but they have one thing in common. They have role models. Mm. So they are modeling masters. And what came to me when I was 12, 15, 18 years old was three very important role models. And I took from those role models stuff that they have done to succeed, and I used it on my journey. And that is what successful people do. I love that. And that's why I have a book club where we read personal development books and um, and we just learn so much and then implement it, take ourselves to the next level because it's just so, I find it so amazing that someone shares in a book or in a seminar or in a podcast all their knowledge um, that they have experienced over their, over their lifetime and then you can just access it. So it's such an exciting time to be alive because of that. You know something? I can send you the first copy of my uh, Success Leave Traces. I have one copy. I know my agent has it. Uh, it's never been printed, but it's the 14 best interviews out of 508 people around the world. Mm. Tony Robbins is in that one. Bruce Dickerson is that in that one. Valerie Orbele is in that one. And their answer to how did they become successful? Yeah. I know that Tony Robbins, he was really influenced by mentoring from um, Jim Rohn, which I think a lot of people were really inspired by in the early days. What made you inspired by Tony Robbins? I heard the first time about Tony, like now, uh, 15, 14, 15 years ago. I've never heard his name before. So I didn't know if he was someone living in the 16th century or what did he do. But um, I, I signed in directly for a big event with, with him in Singapore because I was using uh, two mental coaches. Uh, in uh, One was in my board, her uh, name is Shelly and Hager. And I was asking these two mental coaches, where, where all the shit that you're learning out, wh- where did it come from? Uh, and they said, we, we take it from a lot of different places. We, we They also talked about Jim Rohn. They also talked about Sig. But... They, they mention uh, like, um, you know, Viktor Frankl, like uh, life must have a meaning. You need to read that book to understand stuff. And it's like I've been reading books like maybe 500 of those. And there are some good uh, in everyone in some way. You can find something. 
and they told me about Tony. So I went to to a big event with Tony with like ten thousand people, and uh, I signed in for a platinum partner. So we were traveling for three and a half years in the twenty four countries together, and that was like the best invest investment I've done in my life. And what would you say is your number th- one thing that you took away from him? Because he obviously teaches so many things now. It's, you know, anything from from personal development, but also for, for money uh, management, uh, relationship, health. He's just doing so many things. But what would you say is your number one from him? I will say that it is uh, Chloe Madness' six human needs because that's what you, uh, Tony uses in all his one-on-one coaches, and I, I do that too with all my clients. I'm using that one, so uh, that's the psychology behind. If you're uh, at a business mastery, uh, you should create raving fan customers, or you're at the wealth mastery in Fiji, uh, or you're in a, uh, a simple UPW in in London. There's one thin line that goes through everyone and when you've been like to like 50 events with tony you're like wait a minute wait here it comes six human needs now we're talking so i would say it's it's definitely the six human needs Mm. yeah definitely and you have uh, of course a lot of workshop you're doing when you when you should create wealth you should create you should do a business mastery you should build a brand by identity stuff like that uh, but it always comes down to the six minutes. Yeah, love that. A lot of people who come through my course, Your Dream Life Starts Here, have some really big, amazing dreams. And I always think they are possible. I have never come across one dream that is impossible. Actually, I came across one where a six-year-old said that he wanted to eat pizza on Mars next week. That was a bit too fast. (laughs) But the others I I have... um... It's possible, but it will take a little bit longer time. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I said. But a lot of people who go through my course do not believe that they can achieve their dreams themselves. So how do we overcome self-doubt and not having the belief because I truly believe that we can do anything if we decide to do it but how do we deal with self-doubt in your view it's about how you see your thoughts because everything is first created in the thought and it's not the situation itself that has the meaning about uh, around 95,000 thoughts a day uh, and you're thinking about 90% the same as you did yesterday. So it's not about the thought itself. It's not about the happening itself. It's about how you see it. So then you can practice to learn to create new ways in your neurocortes, in your mindset. So you can create new thoughts by asking yourself the right questions. And if you're, if you can do that, if you can do that, you can change your mindset from I can't to can. And what are those questions? Oh, you want to know it? (laughs) I would love to know it. Okay. Um, Do you send out stuff when you're doing this? Yeah, I I can. Yeah. You can, because you can actually translate this if you want uh, for your um, listener. And if you do that, you will give them a gift that is so much value into. 
I have people paying me. I don't have the time to sit down with them, but they pay me for an hour just to explain this schedule out of why uh, the EQ, your heart, how your intuition, your LQ, your stomach, and what uh, your IQ. And the people that saying that they can't do stuff, often they have very high IQ. Too bad for them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the situation itself. It's how you see it. How Because the situation will activate stuff for you. And that is your cognitive uh, schedule in your neurocortis. And when that activates, if you haven't been practiced you will act out of your map. And your map is created when you're somewhere somewhere around zero to seven years old. So something happened and you haven't been practiced. So you will act out of a seven-year-old boy or girl. And if you do that, you will get a very negative spiral. But if you're learning the questions, you can create a new mind in your brain, you can create a new way and you can actually create a motorway. If you want to have a motorway, it adds up to how much you practice because the repetition is the matter of skill. So the three question is question number one, what does this mean to me? In what way is this an opportunity? That's question number two. Now you have forced your brain to think in a new way. You're not down to your old map. So now you will answer the question very quickly. How should I take action? And now you will go from, if you don't ask the question, you will react out of feelings. And you will go directly to your brain and your brain will only do one thing. It will save you from the damage and danger. So now if you're asking the three questions, what does this mean to me? How come it's a possibility to create something? And how should I take action? You will go to your new map and you will pass through your intuition. And your intuition is your LQ. You have about 60,000 brain cells in your stomach. And they have already told your brain the right answer on the first question. So... If you are answering the questions right, you ask them right, you will go to your new map and you will act out of knowledge. And I can tell you this, I have had people that have been afraid for stuff for yeah, 20 years because they don't know how to translate this in to ask the question to create a new map. And when they learn the system... I don't know why they don't learn it out in school. I don't understand that. They will get this positive vibe and they will create stuff that they could only dream about before. Mm. Can we dig a little bit deeper on this one and and take an example? Can you give an example for someone who's done something that's completely changed them? Yeah, I had this girl. Her mother was actually so good in football that this girl, she was sitting watching her mother play in the Swedish soccer team representing Sweden. This girl wanted to be a football pro. But each time she was thinking about this, she went to her brain and the brain told her, 
Who do you think you're fooling? With your name, everyone knows who your mother is. You can't go out on the field because everyone will hit you down. You can't become a football pro. So I showed her the system. I forced her to ask the question like 300 times in a row. She was so tired at me, (laughs) but she created a new map. And now she's in the national football team of soccer in Sweden. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that was impossible before. But four hours later, that is now 70 years ago, it became possible. Mm. I'm going to see if I can stop practicing that. And I'm sure the listeners will start taking action on this one as well. I'm really curious. I was listening to a podcast with you on a Swedish podcast this morning and I think I heard that you decided to stop something and start something. That is correct. That that was in Singapore on my first meeting with Tony Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. And he said you can do a lot of big changes by changing something that isn't good for you. Mm. And you can start with something that is good for you. And I had made a promise to him before. Actually, it was 10,000 people making him that promise. And that promise was to play full out. To do everything that he says full out. And I was thinking, okay, the decision will determine your future. I'm going to play full out. So he said, promise me one thing now. Promise me to stop with something that isn't good for you. And I was doing the Swedish tobacco for 17 years, day and night. I had like 40 of those cans with me to be on a education for three days. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I should stop doing this. Then I learned the process, how you do when you stop something when you create something, an image in the future. So I was stop doing the Swedish tobacco. And then you have to start with something that is good for you. And I was thinking, what should I start with? And I was thinking, maybe I should stop with, start with running. Running is so boring. <laughs> I was like, shit, am I going to start that shit? So I was... Okay, I made a promise. I'm going to stop this Swedish tobacco. I'm going to start running. So I start running. I I wrote, uh, I was running for 176 days uh, in the road, and I was doing uh, about a Swedish mile. I don't know that in Australian uh, what that is, but I think you can translate that. Yeah, 10K. Yeah, Uh, 10K, yeah. Uh, And it it was hurting everywhere in the body, and, and, and I was, like, not happy at all. So I've learned if... If you're happy, yes, do what you're doing. But if you're not happy, you have to change something. So I changed. I went down to just running five days a week. I went down to running the most beautiful round around Falkenberg. And near your house downstairs from your house (laughs) at the river and back to the beach and home again. And then I took a jacuzzi in 39 degrees and I became happy. Shit, this shit works. <laughs> so 
uh, yeah, uh, it worked, and uh, I'm still doing that, and it's beautiful. I don't know if I run fast, slow, it doesn't matter. I run for my health, and it feels good. And when you, so that would have been very difficult first with the Swedish tobacco um, because I've done a few bets with people now <laughs> and I know how hard that is. Um, I was thinking about it every 10 seconds in, I think, about one and a half year. Yeah. So how did you then deal with that? Because I, I have a little habit club as part of my community and we choose a new habit every 30 days or every 66 days, depending on what people like to do but it's it's really hard to and that's why I created a community because I'm, I'm um, as you know I like to do some bets and things because I am much more likely to keep them keep my own um, habits if I actually announce it and and I track it and I um, I um, um, you know I'm part of a community for that support so what did you do I made a promise to myself not to someone else to myself and I also did a bet with myself. If I'm going to start doing the Swedish tobacco again, something terrible will happen in my life. And I promised myself never to tell anyone what would happen. But it's so terrible, so it isn't worth starting again. Wow. Well. So I've done this a hundred times with people who want to stop smoking. And, and when, when they do the promise to themselves, they will stop smoking. Because if you can't trust yourself, you can't trust other people. But it's quite interesting because I often get that question. And, you, and um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, I did a bet with someone who was doing tobacco. And um, he kept saying, what should we do if we don't? follow through so i had to do one year without alcohol i tried to get you involved in that but you didn't you like ah, you like I, <laughs> I know i know but i i uh, <clears throat> i like to get a lot of people because it's so much easier to keep it when i have friends around but anyway um so he kept uh, saying what should we do if we don't follow through and i said well if i if i say i will do this that's what i will do and i don't do a bet just out of you know i just think through it and then if I'm going to do it, um, but it, I often get. But then people say, "Well, you must have, you know, great willpower or whatever." But I'm like, "No, you just make a decision, and then it's not doesn't mean it's easy, but you just make that decision." So, how, what advice do you have for people to keep their promises to themselves? In my world, it's that you make this promise to yourself, and you put on the other side me mentally. You program yourself if you can't trust yourself you can't trust any other people and if you will break this uh, trust to yourself something really bad will happen to you and your family yeah on that note having known you for many years you are always talking about numbers so you always um, uh, measure things which i love how do you keep track? Because you always seem to know how many days you've been running and how long you've been running and, and um, lots of other numbers. How do you keep track on that and why is that important to you? What gets measured gets done. Yeah, love that. Yeah. And, and that's why. And the best practice is the one that gets done. Yeah. Yeah. So 
if you like increase a hundred meters uh, or take a hundred meters away or take one day away or it will have big impact so uh, humanity has always a believe in how much they can create in a short time but it's the other way around you can create a lot in the long term yeah so small things that you measure has big impression and it's very important for the result at the end if you do it yeah yeah and it's interesting i think we spoke about this briefly on sunday that we i'm now doing a running streak with a friend and and i didn't um plan to do that but i was so inspired by her and so i thought i better go back to running and it's so interesting when you do something daily compared to once a week I just and it's funny because it was yesterday I was like pouring down and um, there's no way I wouldn't run if it wasn't for a daily because then I would say well I'll choose another day and then they will add up and then you, you're running that 10k instead of the short run that you can do daily so it's it's quite interesting and I you know I think maybe personality wise that I like if I do it I do it but um, I do think it's much easier to do something on daily basis versus you know three times a week yeah it's so easy to say oh i don't have time but time isn't the problem no it's it's the fear of coming out of the comfort zone so they will tell oh it's much nicer to be in the bed you need to put your running shoes you need to put them in front of the door in the evening because you're not the same person when you wake up in the morning yeah so when I saw you on Sunday, I just felt so energized. Your energy is just first contagious, but also you always seem to have it. So how do you always keep so energized and positive and excited? I'm trying to keep my energy down. So <laughs> I, I often try to keep it down because I don't want to scare away people. But energy, some people think that energy comes from food. But it doesn't. It comes from neutrum. That's another thing. You need to have those stuff in your body. You need to have those minerals, salts, fruits, vegetables, stuff like that. You need to have those in your body. And you need to get out of the bad stuff. You know, of all the water in the world, there are 97% that is salt water, but you can't drink it. You can only drink the three percentage. It's the same thing with food. And it starts with health. So the base to reach your goal, the base to get your energy up is three things. It's how you move. Yeah, you need to practice. Yeah, you need to do that. It's what you put in your mouth. 85% of all the sickness that we have comes from what people are putting in their mouth. And then you need to relax. So you need about eight hours of sleep. And then you will get what you focus on. So if you focus on, I'm focusing a bit, a bit about getting my energy down now, but if I'm focusing about getting the energy up, I will put my energy up because I will get what I focus on. And now I only have to ask the question, what tools do I need to get my goal in box? 
what do I need? I need to know the knowledge about people. That's the most valuable asset you can have on earth. So start with yourself. Start about learning how does a person work. And when you have done that, yeah, you can go outside your comfort zone to the learning zone. You can watch cultures and how does that work. And then you can go to the growing zone, the zone of finding a meaning. So if I can put a meaning to high energy, high, if I have high energy in business, in relationship, my business will go good. My relationship will be good. If I have low energy, it will be the opposite. So I choose high energy. Oh, I love it. I love it. You plan about 10 years ahead, I think, and you write a letter to yourself. Tell us about that and how we can do that. Actually, it's, it's, it's 1,000 days. Oh, sorry. So don't be sorry. Be happy. <laughs> so I'm doing this plan, and I I've actually have uh, seven days left now to complete my, my new 1,000-day plan. So I'm doing it actually now. And when we have good weather, I'm on the beach, I'm planning, I'm thinking, what should we do? Where should we be? And what do we need to take? Yeah. What kind of action do we need to take to get there? So it's quite easy. Where are you today? Are you happy where you are today? What things are good with what you have today? And what things aren't that good? So when it comes to business-wise, I always think like this. Crisis is very good. Crisis will create a lot of opportunities. First question, what does this mean to me? How come it's an opportunity and how should I take action? I will take in business-wise, my business, I will put everything in a container and I will take it out on a parking lot and I will only take in what I want to have with me in the future. That is business-wise. When I'm thinking about myself, my family, I'm thinking, are we happy where we are? Where do we want to be? Which people do we want to help? Is there anybody that needs our help? Where do we want to travel? Where do we want to live? Uh, how is it with our children? Are they having the right education? Are they happy with their sports? Are they happy with their business? Uh, can we help them in any way? That goes to the needs uh, of giving. And when we fulfill more than three human needs, I didn't tell you that before, but when we fulfill more than three of the human needs, you will become happy. Mm. So you put that plan just into a document and then you just start implementing it. Yeah, it's quite easy. Um, the process is quite easy because it's, it's like uh, I'm using where I am today, where I want to be in the future, stopping us for, from not getting there. Uh, what resources do we need to get there? Is there anybody can help us? Can we help any, anybody? And what action do we need to take? Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So for anyone who is really down and not want to start owning their life from beginning, what would you advise them to start from today? Because I think so many of us look back and we are going over and over, as you said, you know, I don't know if it was 95% of the thoughts are the same. How do we break that pattern in terms of, of now saying, 
here's this stick in the sand and now we move forward versus going back. Ah, so this is a coaching question. Yes. Okay, you know what coach means? It means bus in some ways. It does. It does mean bus. It does mean bus. But I don't know if that's what you mean, like in terms yeah, of... I mean that. Yep. I mean a coach is a bus and you need to catch the person on the station where they're standing. So if I should coach someone and you're giving me some fragments now, it's a person that's been down and it has some shit in their map and they can't go where they want to go. First of all, we need to take away what they are blaming. Because if they are blaming something that happened to them, I don't know if they got shot or their mother died or they got bitten by a dog, any shit that they are blaming, uh, it doesn't matter. Because everything that they're blaming, they need to change to appreciations. Because it doesn't happen to them, it's happened for them. And that's a mind shift. So you have to do the mind shift. And that's, I'm often doing that when I'm doing coaching one-on-one. And, and I have all the crazy things that people are blaming because they are only afraid not to be loved because they have a strong human need for love and connection. So when they can feel that strong human need, together with two other, the fear does appear. And they can accomplish anything. Mm. Love that. Easier said than done, but really good way of looking at it. I can see no other way because the fear of that we people have, and especially people with high IQ, sorry. Mm-hmm. But you know, the first organ that's are made in, in, in your body is your heart. And it's created in 21 days. And it's between your C2 and C3 behind your neck. And in when it vaults around and creates a heart and does its first heartbeat, you don't have a brain. You will create your 12 fingers, you will create your stomach, you will create your lungs, and then your brain. And the brain takes over so much, and people that are in fear are too much in their brain and too little in their heart. And they trust their intuition too little. Because in your intuition, you will always have the right answer. For you, always. That explains a lot because I I was um, in EO for a long time and met some super intelligent people. (laughs) And I always think, why don't I take more action? Um, And and often a lot of people who actually come through my course, they are either been in law or done medical studies and you think gosh they have you you know they have the brain to do anything but they don't always take action so that explains that the brain will only do one thing it will save you from danger and when you move out of your comfort zone when you're in your comfort zone you will have certainty you will be able to relax there is a low risk you will feel safe But when you're walking outside the comfort zone, the brain will try to stop you because it will save you from danger. Yeah, makes complete sense. So I'm now going to ask the last questions before I'm just adding some short questions at the end. And that is, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself 
say, in your late teenage years? For me, it's very important. If it would be between 15 and 21, yeah, I will definitely give the advice to myself to learn about psychology. Yeah. To learn about psychology because then I wouldn't be that disappointed when I reach my goal in life yeah. to become a millionaire when I was 21. And I was so sad that I didn't even want to live. Mm. And if I had had that knowledge, like an artist like Avicii, uh, if he would learn about needs, about psychology, and why he didn't feel that good, because that was exactly the same feeling that I got. But if he would be able to, to answer his why, quite easy when you stand on the outside. So it would be the psychology. I, I, will say, I will say in success formula, product is 20%. Simplicity is 20%, but psychology is 60%. Mm, love that. I would love to know if you have a morning routine and if yes, what does that look like? Perhaps not now and because I know everyone is on holidays here, but you know, in your normal routine. My normal routine, uh, five days a week, is to running at 5.50 in the morning. And I run 7.2 kilometers. And then I take a meditation for 14 minutes in my jacuzzi. I love that. <laughs> and, and it's quite easy. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, it's quite easy. It's Yes, do it. Yeah. And it becomes a, a habit, no doubt. It becomes a habit. And, and when, when you're talking about habits, it, it's, it's like this. It, your habits, that will be you in the future. Yeah. I keep saying that to our son, Axel, where we're eating so much lollies. And I said, you know, you become <laughs> what you eat. <laughs> you become what you eat, yeah. yeah you and I'm saying it's all good for a short amount of time, but obviously not ongoing but anyway uh have you got a favorite book this book is sold now in nine million x i bought my first one 27 years ago uh, it's called good to great by jim collins he compares 500 uh, companies on the fortunes list out of those 500 companies there are 15 making 15 percent more in profit for 15 years in, uh, in a row he answers the questions why so I got that book translated in Sweden. I, I bought a thousand books from him. So that would be in business, personal development. I, I think it will be Wake Up the Giant within Tony Robbins. I think it will be. Yeah. This has been so inspiring. First, your energy. I, I think everyone can <laughs> feel your energy and also um, so inspiring. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think we'll have to have you have you back, but I think we'll have to put a little carrot for you to come to the other side of the world. Um, and I will have there. a carrot, and that is, I made a prom. I made a promise that I'm going to Australian Open, so we can take you there. Yep, cannot wait, cannot wait. Thank you so very much. Beautiful, Kiki. Love you. Take care. Thank you. I love you too. See you. Bye. Oh my gee, I hope you are as inspired as I am right now. I took so many notes when we were talking and I can't wait to implement all we spoke about in my own life. 
Please share with me what you got out of this episode and what you are thinking about taking action on. You can share it in my Facebook group, The Dream Life Podcast. I will link to that in the show notes. I cannot wait to hear what you loved. I'll be back as always next week. Until then, dream big.